What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Kent Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's uh, Friday edition. Got a lot to discuss. A lot is happening with your Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to break it all down. And here to help me do it is my dear pal. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, what did you do to Craig? We don't need to talk about that. We will not talk about that. That is a forbidden topic of conversation for the rest of this podcast. You signed the papers earlier. <laughs> the Chiefs signed a lot of people, too. Uh, we're, but here's did what we're they? Gonna do. <laughs> Maybe. They they sign bodies, that is for sure. Uh, we, we're gonna. I think what we're going to do today is we're going to just kind of go line by line at the roster and see where we sit heading into the weekend because, um, you know, there's there's a lot of holes on this football team still, I think, Maddie thinks, and we just want to kind of just go look up and down and, and maybe look at some options that the Chiefs could add at some of these spots and maybe just break down some of the moves that is that have happened since the last time we talked. So we'll just go up and down the depth chart. Quarterback, but I do want to say nothing. real quick, oh. if it was if it wasn't clear, Craig will not be joining us for this episode, guys. He is he's got some stuff going on. He's good, but he won't be in here. So if you're waiting for that smooth voice to jump in here with the good takes, probably not gonna happen this today. Boy, that mystery sounds like someone that did something to him. All right, quarterback position we're not talking about. Uh, the only thing we can say about the quarterback position is the best quarterback in the world tried to get Trent Williams here, and and he did his best. And uh, I salute for for making Trent Williams think twice. That's all I got to say there. Running back Daryl Williams is back uh, to go with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Elijah McGuire is back in the mix. The only thing interesting to really talk about the running back position... Unless, Derek no, Gore? Oh, I'm sorry. Derek Gore is... We found out that the Chiefs have a Derek Gore on their depth chart, and no, you don't have to Google it. It is not Frank Gore's kid. I thought the same thing because the age gap works. But yes, there's a Derek Gore. Whatever a Derek Gore is. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to cut I, you off. You can continue now, though. Yeah, he's on a reserve future contract. Uh, I was really not going to go into detail on every single player, but I guess that's what we're going to do here. I think the only thing of interest with the running backs is... Um, there was some buzz that Philip Lindsay, the Chiefs might be interested in know what to do with Philip Lindsay if he hit the market. Well, he hit the market. And we mentioned that the I think Cecil Lammy out of Denver tweeted that out. Something to keep an eye on. Maddie, would you support a Philip Lindsay addition to this roster? I mean, if the price was right, absolutely. I mean, I think Philip Lindsay provides you with almost a perfect one-for-one replacement of what Damian Williams was bringing to you. Like, any, I, I understand that Damian Williams is always going to have a very soft spot in Chiefs fans' hearts for the playoff run, really just the one run of the Super Bowl, but, like, he's always going to be there. He's in Chiefs history forever, but if you liked Damian Williams as a runner, Philip Lindsay is, I mean, almost an exact replica. I think he might even have a little bit better vision as a runner. So if you want a guy, and this is just as a runner, but if you want a guy that's very fast, that has a home run threat, yeah, Philip Lindsay makes a ton of sense, especially to pair with Clyde Edwards-Elair, Daryl Williams, who don't have the most speed. You get Philip Lindsay three to five touches, probably carries because he does not have the best hands and can't really pass protect, but three to five carries, hope that 4-3 speed hits one time for that home run threat. I, th I think it'd be worth kicking the tires if nobody else wants to pay him real money. I think he's a pretty good space player, too. Like, if you if you put him in space, he's going to do better than, than a Damian Williams in space, I think. Um, 
I will say I think he can operate the basics. So I think you can I think you can you can dump a swing route to him and he'll he'll be able to hold up okay. Tight end position. Lot of moves. Just just wheeling and dealing here behind Travis Kelsey. The belldozer is back. Blake Bell signs again on a one-year deal today with with the Chiefs. Nick Kaiser again obviously back. Maddie, is that position locked up? You think, or you know, is is this a place that the Chiefs could address? T- you know, tight end at some point in the draft. What do you think? So, I think the Chiefs, and I've said it before. I think they've been chasing an improvement at tight end two since Demetrius Harris left. I think they were trying to improve upon Harris, and they've never done so. They walked away from Blake Bell once, and I understand that he got a little bit of money, so they just didn't want to pay him. But they walked away once. I don't think this solves their quest for a better tight end two. I do, however, like the concept of Blake Bell taking Anthony Sherman's role. You give me Blake Bell as a lead blocker through the hole, you line him up as an H-back that has the same level of receiving ability as Sherman does, essentially. I do like him as a one-for-one replacement over Sherman. Kaiser still stays as kind of like a third, fourth tight end, and hopefully you improve as the actual backup tight end. Yeah, we'll see what happens there, and we'll see if the Chiefs decide to make any... uh addresses uh, to that position outside of what they've done. Okay, pretty big one here. And really, I genuinely hope by the time that this podcast releases that this position has been addressed. Like, I hope this is all just a moot point. But right now, the left tackle position is Martinez Rankin, maybe? <laughs> maybe? The loser of Remmers versus Lucas Niang at right tackle. We'll get to that in a second. I don't know what's going on with the left left tackle position, Maddie, and I don't. I I know that there's some names out there that people know, Russell Okung, Alejandro Villanueva, but the gap between Trent Williams and these guys is sizable, and I don't think we're really talking much about that. Right, and I think the Chiefs have made it pretty clear that they feel that way too. The Chiefs kind of went all in on Trent Williams and haven't really showed much interest in the rest of this offensive tackle group. And I don't think it's because they don't think that these guys are, you know, better than Martinez Rankin or whatever they have. It's just the gap from what was available, the gap from what's an improvement on Eric Fisher to what's available right now just isn't there. There's nobody that improves their left tackle position from last year. There's nobody available that even matches the level of Eric Fisher unless you can guarantee me a healthy Russell Okung, which you can't, like nobody can. So I think the Chiefs have made it very clear to you that they don't love their options out there in free agency, or you'd be hearing about it. They would have made a move. They tried for Trent Williams. They tried so hard because they didn't love the rest of these guys. No, I think that's a pretty simple way of putting it, and they don't have anybody on the books quite yet. Um, And I'm going to come back to left tackle in here in a second because I have some thoughts but we need to probably run through the rest of this offensive line group before we get back to left tackle and some of my thoughts here. But I will say some of the tackles, the left tackles that are left, Riley Reef, Alejandro Villanueva, uh, Russell Okung, all guys that will be 33 this season, some older guys. Those are really the – that's really about it for the established tackles in this market. Um, there's just really not a ton of them. Uh, those are, that's it. So that's kind of what you're standing in right now. And, and there, I, I will just say this, if the chiefs enter the season with one of those guys, there are going to be games when we're doing the pregame show or the game preview episode where we're all going to be going, well, can Riley reef hold up against X, the entire AFC West there. You, I mean, seriously, 
I, it's it's it, 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 it's it's a drop down from an Eric Fisher. Uh, okay, left guard Joe Tooney's in the mix. Uh, Andrew Wiley, Brian Witzman, guys that you know. I'm just tagging them along the left guard position because there's just a lot of there's just a lot of guards there. I will say this, and I, I look at the roster. We, I think Andrew Wiley and Nick Allegretti are two guys that the Chiefs are actively trying to keep off the field. Because of just thought, we can maybe just talk about the interior of the offensive line right now as a whole. The Chiefs brought in Kyle Long on a small deal. I'll let Maddie get into him for a second. Laurent Duvernay Tardif reportedly is coming in, so the Chiefs signed Kyle Long, perhaps to replace Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who was going to replace the guard that was going to be starting or the starting guard from last year. Uh, it just feels like they're doing what they can to keep a guy like Nick Allegretti and Andrew Wiley off of the field with guys like Joe Tooney and Kyle Long, Matty. Yeah, it for as much as Brett Veach got up on, you know, his little presser earlier or last month and was just kind of talking about in-house options, it doesn't seem like the Chiefs love their in-house options, seeming they're bringing in a bunch of outside players that play at the positions where all of they have guys in the inside, you know, in the house. Andrew Wiley, I do think that's interesting. They did choose to bring him back. If they didn't want him on the field, they wouldn't have brought it. Like, he wouldn't be here. So I do think he is a guy they chose to have around. Now, maybe they do just want him as a depth player. He's gotten a lot of run for the Chiefs over the years. He fills in at a couple different positions. So I like that one. I can see the rationale between trying to keep Allegretti off the field. And I know that's going to upset some fans, but he just doesn't have the athleticism that everybody else in this team has. You can just see it when the Chiefs go out there. There is a lot of climbs. There's a lot of times on screen plays where Nick Allegretti just does not have the range or the athleticism to do what is asked of him. So it makes a ton of sense to me to be interested in bringing Austin Ryder back, to bringing in Joe Tooney and Kyle Long despite getting LDT back because you just can't have a guy that lacks range like that on the field that much. So I'm interested to see what they do at center. Wild card. What if Joe Tooney's coming in to play center? He started two games there last year. He's not penciled in to left guard just yet. I think they should play him there, but he has experience at center. That's a possibility for him as well on the inside. I think there's just a lot of scenarios that for the best three interior offensive linemen that don't include Nick Allegretti or Andrew Wiley. And here's the thing about those two guys. Getting quality, capable depth out of those two guys is good. It's a good thing. Nick Allegretti is a capable backup. Andrew Wiley is a capable backup. I don't really think they're that much more than anything, but I think it's a good thing that you, the Chiefs were able to get quality depth out of a seventh-round pick and an undrafted free agent that they picked up off the street. That's good. It's just, I think expectations, just because they're your, they're your own, can sometimes be a little bit off. I think these are fine depth pieces. Um, but I think you play the best three along the interior. And one of the ways that you play your best three along the interior potentially is this right tackle situation. Whoever loses out the right tackle battle kicks inside along with a Joe Tooney and a Kyle Long or a Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Mike Remmers is back. He signed for one year, $3.5 million with incentives that can get it all the way up to $6.8 million. That sounds like a, it kind of reads like a backup offensive swing tackle with some upside if he does play more than expected, Maddie. That's kind of how I read it. 
The contract's hard because the maximum number isn't that short of what Daryl Williams, a quality starting offensive tackle for the Buffalo Bills, he re-signed with the Bills at right tackle, is getting. He's getting like 9.5, 9.7 over, you know, average. So Mike Rimmers at his max isn't too far off from there. I think the skill gap between those two wouldn't line up. So Rimmers, if he starts all year, I do think is getting low in starter money as a right tackle right now. So I can see how somebody would come out and say he got paid as a starter. There's also a low base. He has to play. There's incentives for him to get up to that number. You usually do that when you don't know what a guy's going to do. They didn't offer him $7 million straight up because they don't know if he's going to start. I think they could really go either way. I do think it's truly an open competition. I do think, I do think his agent's right. I think they told Mike Rimmer's, Mike Rimmer's agent, He's the starter as of right now at right tackle. It's up to the rookie to unseat him as the starter. I mean, I don't see how we think Andy Reid would do anything but that. That's been his MO his entire career in the NFL. So the fact that some people do just want to put Nyang in there as the starter and claim Rimmers as a backup only, look at Andy Reid's history. Rookies don't start without having to challenge somebody. I do think that's why Rimmers got brought back in. Uh, yeah, no, I think. Well, I think he's a guy that you can move along. You can move move all over the place. I mean, he's a guy that has a ton of versatility, and I think there is a ton of value in Mike Rimmers. And he played competent right tackle. He did. He played competent enough, and you know he might earn that seven million dollars if he plays competently. It's just kind of fascinating to see. I do want to real go back, real quick, go back to the interior offensive lineman. Would be stunned if they added a guard. I will say, you know, similar to what we just talked about with the incentives on on a uh, on a Mike Rimmers, you can be you can say the same thing about Kyle Long. There's not a ton of money, ba- you know, really into Kyle Long. It could potentially be a great value pick, but there is a lot of incentives that are going to help him make a little bit more money than that. Um, you know, it, I think he's got a 1.5 million dollar kind of base, more or less, and then up to 3.5 million dollars to make a little there. So it's kind of the same thing. Both both of those guys are you know, pay if you play more. So it's kind of on them a little bit in some ways. Oh, absolutely. And like, again, I think there's a little bit of confusion out there with some people that think that Kyle Long was brought in to be a starter. That They saw the contract. They were thinking this guy has improved the offensive guard position for sure. He's going to be better than what they had last year. But Kyle Long hasn't played a full season in half a decade, guys. There's a reason that he has such a low base value and it's all baked into incentives. You cannot trust him to play a full year. You can't trust Laurent Duvernay-Tardif to play a full year. So while it seems a little redundant right now to have both those guys slated in at right guard, it could be a competition. And whoever the loser is, there's going to most likely be a battle of attrition. I doubt either one of those guys play 16 games. History tells us neither one of those guys are going to play a full season. Having both isn't necessarily a bad thing. With Kyle Wong's contract, you're also not overpaying the position between the two of them. Uh, just some potential. I, I don't think they're going to address guard, obviously, anymore. David Andrews is out there at center. And that's uh, I it. Is Ted Karras? He signed. He did sign? He went to New England. He went back to New England. Of course he did. They were uh, interested. So this is my one thing with David Andrews. I wonder if he's going to cost more than people are assuming because New England talked to him, then settled on Ted Karras for like $4.5 million or whatever. Miami was interested in him, and I they settled on Matt Skura for almost nothing. But all these teams have been interested in David Andrews and gone with another center. 
I just wonder if his asking price isn't particularly cheap. And if you come back to me and tell me the Chiefs spent $8 million on a center after $16 million on a guard, potentially $5 million on another guard with another guard sitting, what's LDT at? $6.5 million right now? That's a lot of money in your interior when you've invested nothing in your tackles. Well, and that's why I wanted to circle back to the end. I mean, maybe it's a David Andrews you're looking at. Maybe it's an Austin Ryder along the interior, but the tackle spot. I ha- I, I kind of think at this point it's a veteran left tackle, one of those older guys that we just discussed. And I think they I think they might go tackle round one. And what you're doing is you're hoping you can you know, you're hoping Lucas Niang earns the starting spot out of camp, but if not, you're giving him a year to develop. And then you're going and you're grabbing a left tackle in the first round and maybe letting him rest or sit a year uh, or try to get him up to speed. And then you've got your bookends established for the long haul here uh, without having to throw Patrick Mahomes to the wolves. Well, hear me out. What do you think about this? Instead of spending any of this money on a single year of a left tackle, that is, he's going to get whoever you would sign for one year as a veteran is going to get more than they should for a single year because that's how one-year contracts work. What if you just do your, you know, uh, Andrews. You bring in Andrews to play center. You spend any other money on a wide receiver because there's still a couple wide receivers out there. And then you still just draft your offensive tackle in round one. Yeah, you deal with a rookie at left tackle, but you have the safety net at Rimmers at right tackle. You've shored up the interior of your offensive line. You don't like relying on a rookie left tackle and like you've given yourself no options, but at least you've improved some other positions if you go that route. And there's wide receiver. Another position that we see, we really haven't talked much about and no one in Kansas City is talking about because everybody's just focused along the offensive line. This is a position right now that's Tyreek Hill and then McCole Hardman, a gadget player that has not established himself in any way, shape, or form as any kind of receiver that can really be relied upon. And then Byron Pringle, a receiver that has not been able to prove that he can be relied on either. Because if, I mean, play, the snap count tells the story and both of these guys have played on a limited basis. And both of them have different kinds of skill sets or different kinds of deficiencies that might have kept them from playing more consistent roles on this football team. I have zero level of confidence in either of these players being wide receiver twos. I know Brett Veach made the comments. I would be stunned if either of these guys are number two in wide receiver snaps for this football team moving forward. And... I think they've got to address this position and add more talent in free agency. And it feels like they're at least what, I mean, Curtis Samuels, he just, he just went for $10 million. Will Fuller, $10 million. There should be good value out there along the wide receiver group. I don't know why this team isn't attacking it right now. Curtis, the chiefs not being reported. Now you never know how these things work, but the chiefs not being reported interested in Curtis Samuels for three years at 34 and a half million dollars. Like, why did you clear all of this space if that wasn't an enticing deal to you? Now, if you want to come back to me and tell me that Samuel wasn't your ideal fit for the X wide receiver, his skill set was slightly redundant, I could hear the argument, but you just think they would be linked to some receiver at this point in time because the receiver free agency market's been really good. What I'm looking at here, Kenny Galladay's getting wined and dined by like four different teams right now. Everybody wants Kenny Galladay. I get it. He's a fun receiver. I would look elsewhere. Juju Smith-Schuster's been linked to like one team in all of free agency so far. I don't know what his asking price is going to be, but if you tell me that Juju Smith-Schuster would accept this Curtis Samuel deal 
three years for $34.5 million. I would be all over that so fast because I think he's such a perfect fit for what the Chiefs are missing at wide receiver right now. He brings the size, a guy that'll play over the middle of the field. He's like 24 years old. Don't get bent out of shape because he dances on social media as a 24-year-old. Like, let that be the case. He also, his stats went down because he played with a guy named Duck Hodgins and the ghost of Paul Bunyan at quarterback. Like, (laughs) stuff like that happens when you play with those guys at quarterback. Sign Juju Smith-Schuster. You don't get Trent Williams, but you at least get one of the best wide receivers on the market and improve your team tremendously. Well, like I think a lot of the big time options out at receiver have really kind of dried up more or less. Like there's not too many guys le- left outside of a Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, you know, and my guy, throw my guy's name in there. Your boy Josh Reynolds out of out of Los Angeles, out of the Rams. Uh, he's a bigger body guy. He's a six three receiver. Can actually play that X type. He's a little bit different than Juju, although Juju absolutely can play on the line of scrimmage and beat press. Uh, Juju's a better football player, a more versatile player. But, I mean, Josh Reynolds is a decent, you know, consolation. Uh, and it's a guy that Maddie's been hammering home for at least a month, maybe more. Big fan? Yeah, I know. Now, for me, I'm going to say it straight up. I think Josh Reynolds would be an excellent signing for the Chiefs, especially for the price point that I think he'd be in, which is the Keelan Cole to uh, who else just signed? Keelan Cole to Kendrick Bourne range, that seven-ish, million, five to seven million dollars. I think Josh Reynolds is a phenomenal value add there. But you tell me the Chiefs can get Juju Smith-Schuster for 11 and a half or 11 and a quarter million dollars. Like that's a needle moving move. Signing Juju Smith-Schuster to that much cash infinitely improves this team immediately. I don't think there's any other free agencies, free agents left out there on any side of the ball that can do that. I think, yeah, I think grabbing a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster and frankly still grabbing a draft pick somewhere in this deep wide receiver class makes a lot of sense for this football team, continuing to build depth, especially with Tyree Kill's comments, you know, today about, you know, not wanting to take a restructure. I mean, I does, I'm not saying that the alarm should be sound by any stretch of the word. It's just, you know, continue to insulate that group and continue to build, you know, depth on that roster. I think wide receiver... I, frankly, if you look at the way I see it, tackle's still a bit very much in play. Guard's still very much in play in this draft. Wide receiver's still very much play in this draft. Grabbing an interior offensive lineman maybe a little bit later now. Or, you know, trying to grab a guy that can get some good value somewhere. Late day three, early day four might be something that you could do along the interior. Tackle, I still think, is very much in play early, and so is receiver. Yeah, so, I mean, quick recap here. We got through the offense right now. How many starters do you think this team still needs? I mean... Wide receiver two, we've been talking yep. about. Left tackle, we've been talking yep. about. Center, I mean, so you still yes. need three starters on the offensive side of the ball. That's I will not- say this. I will say this. They could probably figure out along the interior, like there's a best three scenario where you could go a long LDT, Tooney kind of situation. I'm not – I think you could probably piece together a decent best three. It's just – that's not the ideal scenario. Sorry. Right. And two of those guys are on one-year deals, essentially, with LBT yeah. and Kyle Long. So, I mean, I, I could buy that if they come out and say Tooney is playing center and they're going to flank him with Kyle Long and LBT. I get not thinking you need a starter there. I 100% understand. But you still need at least two, probably three starters on the offensive side of this ball. That's not to mention maybe wanting to improve at the backup tight end spot. You know, trying to see, like we just said, both right guards are on one-year deals. 
maybe you have to look there for the future. So there's definitely some needs on the offensive side of the ball where it stands, despite the fact that Chiefs seem like they've signed, I mean, what, three, four free agents on the offensive side of the ball so far? That's what's, And it's all along the offensive line. I listed tackle and guard, and they've signed one, two, three free agents there. It's just because they have a bunch of guys on one-year deals too. Like it's just a, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's weird. The in, the offensive line, the, the whole offensive line has just been weird so far. And obviously, there's a plan and they'll. It's fix so it, many guards. I mean, it's just so many guards. It's like the retired starting at tackle. Mike Rimmers plays better at guard than he does tackle. I understand he played well for the Chiefs, played fine for the Chiefs at right tackle last year. He's right. a better guard than he is a tackle. Uh, Martinez Rankin slated to be your starting left tackle right now. He's looked better as a guard when he's played there for the Chiefs. You could even, I mean, Lucas Niang is probably a tackle, but the Chiefs very much went out of their way to talk about how he could kick inside. I'm not going to call him a guard right now, but like I just listed a lot of guards and we're going to the tackle position. Nick Allegretti has been seen as a guard, not a center for the Chiefs. This offensive line is like nine deep, and eight of them are guards. <laughs> Even Luke, uh, uh, Yasir Durant played some guard too, right? Like they try to make guard too. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with the defensive side of the football right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So we looked at the depth chart so far as it currently sits on the offensive side of the ball. Now it's time to talk about defense. And we'll start with the defensive end spot. You know, Frank Clark in there. Mike Dana established in there on that group. Taco Charlton is back coming off an injury. That's really the more or less the extent. Okay, we can talk about Tim Ward, I guess. But that's really the extent of the defensive ends right there. Um, definitely very much still a need. I think you probably need two bodies, uh, in that group still. This is tinfoil hat hypothetical season, but Uh for my money, I think that the chiefs were busy in a bidding war for Trent Williams. They probably had a defensive end or two. They were hoping they had a chance to get, and they got not sidetracked. But you can't go out and spend $15 million on a defensive end when you're trying to throw $23 million in a bidding war to left tackle. They probably prioritize left tackle. I think they just happened to miss out on the defensive end market based on guys going quickly, guys getting paid, and then Von Miller, you know, being having his option picked up. 
I do think the Chiefs were looking to add a defensive end, and it just didn't happen. So this is this is another scary spot. They have no defensive end number two. Mike Dana was good for a day three pick, but you see his limitations when he's out there, shorter armed, not very explosive. He struggles to chase down quarterbacks on bootlegs. Like there, that's not a starting caliber three down guy. Taco Charlton was a fun situational pass rusher. I hope he gets more chances this year because I really do like him, but you're not, look at his contract. It's vet minimum. He is not coming in to be a starter opposite of Frank Clark. They need somebody to come in and play 60, 70% of these snaps. They have no options for that right now at all. Well, and that's kind of why I look at it and go, they might need two. They might need two capable players that are going to be able to contribute now. And so you're looking at Melvin Ingram doesn't I don't know if all of his measurables entirely they fit do with not the he's actually a, he's a really bad fit for Steve Spagnuolo but I always caveat it with this when it's a veteran that has had success yeah you might need to throw it out especially if it's a short-term deal it hasn't right. happened frequently but usually when Spags you know gets away from his preferences it's for a guy that's already produced it's like you can if you can squint he can squint hard enough and see it uh, you could look at a bud, or not a bud GP. You could look at a Carlos Dunlap. He you fits. could look at J- J- Jadavian Clowney. Definitely fits. Ryan Kerrigan, Olivier Vernon, but like Kerrigan, I think is a rotational player right now too. It's so like if you're grabbing him, he's not a guy that's going to play every down. There's here's one. I don't. I'm not betting on it. I I won't bet on it. Justin Houston. But I would go the Alden Smith route before I would go the Justin Houston route. There's, I there's think another Alden one. Smith played better. He got a lot of attention early in the year on a primetime game because he played really good. And then people kind of forgot that he was out there playing because the Cowboys ended up not being very good after Dak. That defense was really bad. Alden Smith had a quality year in his first year back. I would bet on him being better this season than he was last year. So I think he is a guy that I'd be willing to take a chance on. But if I'm doing that, like Kent said, I want two guys. I also want Vernon's good because he's played with Spags before, but he's coming off a late season Achilles tear. He's not going to be ready to win around Eric Fisher would have been. So that's scary. I mean, maybe you can get Dunlap, but two teams have passed on him now. So I don't know where else you would go, but Alden Smith would be a guy I would keep my eye on. I think he's worth kicking the tires on given what's left out there. I feel like Clowney makes a lot of sense. He does. I feel like Clowney makes a lot of sense. That's not inside info. I'm just guessing. Defensive tackles pretty well established. Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, Tershawn Wharton. I don't think there's any. They'll probably add another guy in the mix. Like oh, we've got Colin Sanders there, I guess. They need, they uh, need to draft a nose tackle. I mean, they need to replace Mike Pinnell as a backup nose tackle because they have nobody to back up Derek Nottie. Chris Jones is not very stout versus the run. I'm sorry. I know whatever grades may say. Chris Jones is not good versus the run. But even if you want to say he's good, he's not stout. Tershawn Wharton weighs 285 pounds. He's not an anchor versus the run either. So when you want to give Derek Nadi a breather, you're either relying on Colin Saunders, who was a healthy scratch, or you need to find someone to replace Mike Pinnell. Now, this isn't a top 50, top 75 draft pick. This is a late day three pick, a guy who signed for next to nothing, but that is just a position that I do think needs another body. You could also, and also going back to edge real quick, it, it it's not out of the realm of possibility that they go edge top 100 either. So it could they be should. a Davian clown. Yeah. Add some talent long-term. So you you go like a clowny and then you go grab an, an edge in the draft. Cause this is a good edge class for spags type defensive ends. There's a lot of those spags type players. You know, go grab yourself a, a Peyton Turner. 
at 96 to get into the mix there. Um, okay, we talked about defensive tackles. Linebacker, Anthony Hitchens, Willie Gay. Ben Neiman is back in the fold, baby. There is no need to address that p- position whatsoever, right, Maddie? You know, it is what it is. You know, I mean, we're not going to go too deep on this. Ben Neiman came back. He's a guy they trust. He plays special teams. He is there. Yeah, I don't really know if there's really else anything else to say. I don't know how many coverage type players they they might be able to attack. Uh, you know, attack there. Um, I you know, and, and, and I could see this team just rolling with Ben Neiman again. There, I mean, there's some guys that might be able to fit in that dimebacker role in the draft too, but you never know. All right, cornerback Charvarius Ward was tendered with a second round designation. Legarius Sneed, Rashad Fenton is basically the extent of that depth chart right now. There is no veteran corner there in the mix. Yes, I know DeAndre Baker exists. I don't know if DeAndre Baker is going to be ready right off the bat, and I just don't frankly think you can uh, you know you can go into it expecting you know DeAndre Baker to really be part of the conversation. So what you're looking at right now is Legarius Need, Charvarius Ward, Rashad Fenton. You got to improve that group, Maddie. Yeah, they they need, and I mean this will kind of tie into safety when you get there, but they need their nickel defensive back. Last year, it was Legereus Sneed the majority of the time. He's now going to be a starter with Bashad Freeland gone. You, I mean, whether he's going to play in the nickel or outside, it doesn't matter. Just you need a fifth defensive back. So right now, you're relying on Rashad Fenton or Armani Watts, who we're going to touch on in a second. Like, that's not a guy the Chiefs want to start. They've told you that time and time again. They don't want to start either one of those guys. They don't want to put them on the field. Dan Sorensen, as of now, hasn't been brought back. He played significant snaps. You are missing a guy that's going to play sixty plus percent of your snaps in the secondary right now. You have and, taken a step back at a guy that plays two thirds of your snaps on this defense in the secondary. And the guy just went available. A big name just became available. Uh, Kyle Fuller is likely to be released. There's a chance that he might be traded. There's a chance he might be traded before uh, before you hear from this show, but. Kyle Fuller is probably the big ticket name available right now. It remains to be seen if the Chiefs would even consider spending that kind of money, but that's at least a big name and a quality player that you could that has now just been thrown into the mix in the free agency market, Maddie. Yeah, and he's he's a guy that fits. We know the Chiefs have been interested in him before, so he's a guy that would absolutely fit and help. He'd play on the outside, he's good in zone, he would fit really well. When's the last time the Chiefs spent anything of value on a corner, though, guys? Like, it just, they don't do it. You could, I hope it happens. I hope they sign Kyle Fuller. Just, they've got Charvarius Ward in a trade for an offensive lineman they didn't want. Bashad Breland has been signed for very small, very low amount one-year deals. Legereus Sneed, who they claim to love, was a day three draft pick. Rashad Fenton, day three draft pick. Where's the guy they invested in the secondary to make us believe that they would go after a Kyle Fuller? My guess is they go grab some kind of veteran. Some there's been some other veterans released recently. You've seen, uh, and it just depends on how they operate with Lejerry Sneed. Is he outside? Is he inside? But just running down a list of guys: AJ Bouye, Malcolm Butler, Casey Hayward, Kareem Jackson, Desmond Trufant, Richard Sherman. Uh, Guys like that. I mean, that's a that's a pretty long list of some veteran corners that are going to be looking for some work here. Um, and just depends on how the Chiefs approach Legarius Sneed. I mean, Bashad Breeland's still out there. Don't throw out the idea of Bashad Breeland just coming back. 
because that's just, you know, they'll probably, you know, dip their toe in the corner market, check it out. And then all of a sudden it'll just be Bashad Brilliant back again. Okay. Safety. Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill, Armani Watts, Rodney Clemens is really the list. Uh, and really the list stops it too. It's Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill. Dan Sorensen currently is not in the mix uh, as we are discussing. Um, but obviously very possible that he returns. I mean, this group's not better either, Maddie. No, it's better on the top end. So I'm like, you feel a lot better about Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill than you do about Charverius Ward having to start or some other positions on defense, but there's no depth. And we've talked about it. I mean, everyone knows Dan Sorensen played a lot of snaps for the Chiefs. Good, bad, whatever. He played a lot of snaps. So they have to either replace those snaps with somebody else or it's going to be thrown to Armani Watts, who we're far enough into his career now to know that the Chiefs are not actively trying to get him on the field. It just is what it is. He has been a day three pick that's played special teams, played it really well, but he's just not done anything to make him be worthy of being on the field in Dan Sorensen's role. You need, like I said, you need that fifth defensive back right now. You have none. The Chiefs actually use six defensive backs quite a bit. You need a five and a six. You can probably get by with Fenton as your six, but you still need to fill in that nickel role with somebody. I think you got to continue add depth too. I mean, as we said right now, Tyron Tyron Matthews on a one year deal. Uh, Armani Watts is on a one year deal. Juan Thornhill is the last, uh, the only uh, player under contract past the twenty twenty one season at the safety spot. Charvarius Ward's going to be a free agent soon. I mean, the Chiefs don't have a ton of long term players here in their in their defensive back room. So I think this is a place that you can look, you know, to add more talent, obviously. Uh, but also through the draft. I think the Chiefs got to go and address some kind of defensive back in the draft. And based on their history, it's probably going to be on day three. They're going to go grab somebody in the draft on day three. But I think that is a place that you've got to really look um, to try to identify some players, just not just short-term, but long-term as well. So, I mean, that's another position I think this team's got to be pretty mindful of looking to, to add talent. So, I mean, we're looking here at this list, Matt, and just some, you know... Okay, so... They need another. They need another corner. I need another veteran corner. They need another safety and likely a veteran safety. Uh, maybe a linebacker. But they definitely need. They definitely need a strong side linebacker. Like you do have to replace Damian Wilson. Darius Harris. You do have to replace Damian Wilson. <laughs> okay, so you're looking at a Sam. Uh, you definitely need another veteran edge. You need a starting edge. Like it doesn't matter a, who it is. You just need someone to start. You need. You not only need a body, you need a capable body that can play the run and rush the passer at edge. You know what they call those, Kit? First-round picks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but who's the first-round pick you're – I mean – I don't want to – I don't know if I want to take the risk on Jalen Phillips entirely. I'm still – I'm still wavering there. And I, I mean, we have a big grade on Jalen Phillips. I would take him so fast because I think he's one of the guys that could come in and play on day one. I'm not okay. disagreeing with that. I'm just nervous about all the exteriors, everything else surrounding him. Buddy, they signed Kyle Long with LDT as his backup. We are not concerned about injuries in this team. <laughs> well, I think there's some. I mean, I think they've. I think they've mitigated the risk up, risk up front. I will just say that. But anyways, so yeah, you're looking at edge. You're looking at left tackle. Desperately needing a left tackle. Center, you probably need to add another quality player along the interior. They've just got a bunch of average dudes. 
along the interior and Joe Tooney. Joe Tooney's the guy, and then everybody else is just a bunch of average. Left tackle, another wide receiver. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues on this football team still. There's a lot of places that they need to improve. And I mean, obviously there's still plenty of time left. I'm not trying to I am not trying to raise the panic button or, or press the panic button at all. I just I look at this roster and the Chiefs don't love to rely on their draft picks very often to be contributors. They like to have the team pretty settled. They got a lot of issues here that they still got to fix. Listen, I'll press the panic button for both of us. This team has way too many holes at starting positions, at positions that matter. Wide receiver, left tackle, cornerback, safety, whatever you want to call it. Are those important? What? Are those important positions? Do what? Are those important positions? I didn't know. Well, I I don't think the Chiefs know that as we want to pay a guard (laughs) the highest money ever and then sign more guards. But this team right now is built around Patrick Mahomes, obviously. They've clearly paid some guys at positions that matter. You're Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyree Kill. Don't get me wrong. But what they've done a lot in their additions over the last two years, running back, linebacker, guard, 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 guard. Like, they are investing... (laughs) in positions that usually mean a lot less to the NFL. They are doing it over and over again. Now, they went after Trent Williams. They lost a bidding war to a guy that didn't want to leave his town. I get it. You can't knock him too much for that. But just the fact that this wide receiver market's flying off the board, they haven't got involved yet. The defensive end market went flying off the board. They didn't get involved then. They've now pigeonholed themselves to where they need to use a first-round pick on defensive end, offensive tackle, you can probably get by with receiver a little bit later, maybe defensive back a little bit later, but like you're getting your point to where you have to know exactly what positions you have to draft, and that's a terrible feeling to go into a draft with. Yeah, you're not. that's not what you're supposed to... I mean, that's not really what the Chiefs have typically done. I mean, that's really just not how they've operated historically. Um, and in some ways, it might be paying a little bit for the sins of previous drafts because all these holes have not been filled. The, pl- the players that they've drafted and the positional value decisions that they've made have not all panned out in the last three years. 2018, you know you know what would be really nice to have right now? Oh, boy. A, a defensive end playing at a capable level. Breland speaks. You know what would be, you know what would be nice to have? Uh, a Will linebacker, a dime linebacker that can cover a little bit. Dorian O'Daniel. You know what might be kind of fun to have? What? What, a, Matthew? A DeKayla Metcalf. To play wide receiver too. Oh. And play X? <laughs> a scary Terry is- McLaurin? And this is like, I'm not trying to completely hindsight this because like a lot of people miss on it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, I do think at some point, if you don't draft well and, and Brett Veach drafted below average in 2018, some of the, you're going to have to pay for the sins of 2018. Kind of feels like we're starting to pay a little bit for the sins of 2018. That's what it feels like. I would agree. And I I said this last year. I don't want to go too far into it. We're getting long enough into it. But I said this last year when the Chiefs were just re-signing everybody and making no other moves. You were flirting dangerously close when you were going the run-it-back tour of just bringing guys back that you might run into some issues going forward. I think the Chiefs are in that point right now. They didn't bolster a roster last year. They had a lot of guys, maybe not their best players, but they had a lot of guys on the final years of their deal. A lot of guys that did play important snaps for them that were going to be coming up. 
They didn't turn over any of these positions last year. They stood as pat as pat could. And unfortunately, that resulted in Pat not being able to stand at all in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Thank you. Well done. So, like, they did I that. Was, I was, I was going to tee it up if you did You, You looked at it. I could see getting antsy over there. Like, you saw a punt opportunity. I saw you say you stand in Pat. I was like, oh, here I come. <laughs> so, yeah. It's like, I just think this started last offseason. I'm not, I, I don't agree with what the Chiefs did, but I saw the logic. I said it last year. COVID year, shortened season, Chiefs bring everyone back, they're on the same page, and it goes well, and it did, until they ran into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who started to gel in the playoffs, and the Chiefs had a bunch of injuries. It just meant that going forward, they now had to come into this year and fill eight starters when this free agency period started. Eight, that's a lot. And we knew this was coming if you looked at it last year, just I don't think everybody paid attention because they were coming off a Super Bowl championship. So this team is in a little bit of a rebuild, and they just I don't think they've approached it the best way so far. But, I mean, we're still only a couple days into free agency. There's a chance. There's a couple players out there that we've talked about. I just don't know if they're going to be able to turn over enough of this roster to have a deep roster this season. I Depth, roster depth is the thing you got to be concerned about. And you're, there's just not a ton of players out there. It's really not. I mean, it, it, it's not too early to hit the panic button on the reality that the market is drying up. It's not necessarily that these team can't address positions. It's just that they can't address positions with quality players or good value players. A lot of those players are gone. And I think that's where you look at it and you go, okay, well... All right, I guess, you know, they think that's part of this whole thing is just the fact that there's just not a lot of quality players out there on the market. Now you're relying on your draft picks to be ready and to hit. Here's a reality check for you. Andy Reid wide receivers their rookie year. Sometimes it struggles for them to get acclimated, especially if they're a guy that can play all three positions. If they're an X-type player, it can take them a little bit of time to get familiarized. You know, sometimes like McColl was able to step in with a, a lot of manufactured touches early and some downfield stuff, but you limited route tree, asked him to do limited stuff. The Chiefs need an X. They need an X badly. So there's just there's a lot to think about with this, and um, I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button by any stretch of the word. But there are some things to be concerned about with how this roster is constructed and the players that we are got breaking available. news. Uh oh, David Andrews has returned to New England, apparently to play next to other center, Ted Karras. I don't know if I pronounced that name correctly. However, Karras. this now means the Chiefs will definitely not be improving at center unless Joe Tooney is playing center. Uh, that, basic, ugh, that basically means Austin Ryder's coming back, in my opinion. I would agree. I think that you have to trust Austin Ryder over Nick Allegretti. I think if you look at the guards flanking Allegretti on either side, you look at LDT, LDT even, Kyle Long, Joe Tooney, all good movers, all better space blockers, I would say, than power blockers. Nick Allegretti, the opposite of. He was actually a liability in space. There was a lot of blocks he just couldn't reach. I don't think he fits what everybody else is bringing on the interior. So Austin Ryder, the one thing he can do well is move. So, I mean, I guess you bring him back, and now you're talking about drafting a center early as well. Well, you're not getting better at center either. Yeah. I mean... That one stings a little bit. There was This was a decent center free agency class. Like, 
I kind of said the tackle class was good going into it, and I don't disagree. I think losing Daryl Williams right before free agency started hurt, but there's some guys out. This is as good as a free agent tackle class as it's normally going to be, but the center class, I mean, had five or six guys that would have improved the Chiefs at center. Doesn't look like they're going to land any one of them. Yep, that's rough. I mean, the market's drying out at some places that they need to do address, unless they're going to try to move some free agent guard inside to center, which, I mean, crazier things have happened with this football team. All right, that is going to do it for the AP Laboratory. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back on Monday with the Mailbag Edition. Hopefully there is some more news for us to address. Thank you all. We'll catch you later. And on a high note, sign Juju Smith-Schuster, please.